Welcome to the Strength Talking Shop podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We talk all things strength, coaching, fitness, nutrition, powerlifting, strongman. If it involves a barbell, we're going to talk about it. We are presented by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery, and Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mix easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. And with Optimum Nutrition Athletics program, you can get different items such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, protein snacks such as their crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you're interested in and in getting into your facility, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Down in the show notes, he's got his email. Dave and the team at Optimum Nutrition Athletics are absolutely amazing. They'll get everything that you need. I use their products every single day. I use the Gold Standard 100% Way for my post-workouts. If I need something quick for protein on the go throughout the day, and also if I need to grab a snack, I'll just grab one of the almonds, uh, some of the cake bites, and then also the crisps. Absolutely love the crisps and the almonds. So make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics, and thank you for being our sponsor. Good evening, everybody. Strength Talking Shop podcast. It's late as heck where Rory's at. Starting to get late where I'm at. We've been chatting for over an hour before the podcast started. Boy, I wish you guys could have heard that. (laughs) Some of it wouldn't have made it to the air. No, it's not reoccurring guest, guys. Um, I really enjoy talking with Rory. Like I said, he's just a good dude. He's an even better strength coach. coach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so really, I mean, it's been a year since we kind of talked. I guess you could yeah, say almost the date, actually. Yeah, since the podcast, but like last podcast, yeah. Boy, have things changed in a year, man. Absolutely. It is absolutely wild. How was it this past year, running everything, being a director? Did you guys still have restrictions and stuff like that? No, we so the first um, first semester, so the fall, we had to go back to masks in the state of New Jersey, and then our schoolmates do that. And then right before spring break, we didn't have to wear masks anymore, um, which was really nice. Um, the summer. Last time we spoke, the summer training went actually really, really well. We had a lot of attendance, especially because it was all voluntary, which is awesome to have. Um, and then the fall, most of, actually all of our teams for the first time ever finished above 500 at the end really? of the fall semester. Yeah. Wow. Um, we had two All-Americans, one football, one field hockey. Um, we had our football won their first bowl game in, in program history. Um we had one, two, three, four, four teams make it to the playoffs. Wow. Um, so it was a very good fall semester, and our spring semester actually pretty well, uh, too. Women's across team um, went all the way to the MAC championship. Our baseball team, I think, had the best finish in, like, almost 10 years, or the most wins in almost 10 years. Um, we had – multiple i can't even count how many um all conference athletes between the fall and the spring 
So the FU Devils did really, really well in terms of their athletics uh, this past year. So that was exciting to see in terms of, you know, just the entire athletic department. Um, but on the strength conditioning side of things, a lot of the stuff I did this year, especially in the, the fall semester, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do that in the future. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I realized with the athletes that I have that it's almost unnecessary to do so much of what we always talk about um, in the strength conditioning field. So I just kept it to the bare, um, bare basics with a lot of things that we're doing, especially in the off season. So what were some of those things that you kind of changed up and said, well, maybe we might try something different here. So I was a big proponent of the safety bar split squad that, you know, Cal Dietz made famous. Yeah. I like that a lot, especially in season. Um, but the setup time would take forever. That was number one. I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> um, especially when it's just you, myself, and my graduate assistant. It was like, and us running around at 5.45 in the morning to try to get them all ready. Um, that was number one. Putting them away, too. And I started, uh, I saw a video of DeMarco at Elon doing a barbell reverse lunge with his athletes. And I was like, I thought to myself, I was like, I like that a lot, but I don't know if I would trust my kids with the stability and the coordination aspect of it, rather if it's not hand supported. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw it in there one day and we're going to see what's going to happen. And it ended up being one of my favorite movements of the entire year. And I can't remember the guy's name and it's going to drive me nuts, but I'm apologizing ahead of time. Someone wrote an article on Elite FTS. It was like, the barbell reverse lunge is the best exercise for like speed and strength training. And I was like, yes, I completely agree. <laughs> um, I can't remember what the article was. I actually even reposted it on our strength conditioning page so our athletes would see that and realize like, hey, there's a purpose of why we're doing it. It's not just torture. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting is we would have some of our female athletes specifically would be like front squatting, let's say like 95 pounds, to like four by five. Or mm -hmm. We would have them barbell reverse lunge, four sets of eight on each leg with the same weight and it was even better. So I was like, I was like, am I doing something wrong? So I was like, maybe they're just not good squatters, whatever the case may be, but if I'm gonna get that amount of volume plus load in a single leg movement, I'm gonna do that too. Yeah. So that was, that was the, one of the biggest eye-openers for me in terms of lower body programming. I also, um, something that I really liked was I did a lot of yielding isometrics, uh, specifically the lower body. Okay. Um, so I'd have them do a split squat yielding isometric where they just had the barbell between the legs and they would just hold that position. Um, that in and of itself, I think is, was so big with a lot of our, I would say tissue tolerance and building resiliency in the lower limbs for our athletes. Um, we didn't have nearly as many soft tissue injuries like we did previous year. And on top of that, I think it, obviously the research says it builds up the tendon strength as well. I think that was a huge, huge factor in the health of our athletes as well. We had one team, I think it was our men's lacrosse team. One kid had like, he missed a practice because he strained his quad. And, but then that was the only time we had guys like actually missed time other than getting COVID. Right. Right. Um, which was huge. It was either they missed, it was in the head. It was only COVID that took this team out 
in that one area, which I was like, again, it could just be, it could be so many different things, but I like to believe that the programming in, in one way or shape or another helped with that too. And I was huge of the yielding isometrics. I had that most of our, at least once a week, every team was doing that, either the split spot one, um, or I had actually our football guys kind of do like a, uh, a sumo deadlift hold, a yielding isometric too. So I had really? our like, I had our linemen and our linebackers, specifically our O line and our linebackers, do almost like a not necessarily a super wide stance sumo. It was like more of a close stance, like Eddie Cohn type sumo position. Like that frog stance. I'm sorry. Yeah, like that frog stance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I had them do that because I didn't want them to go super wide where they weren't going to feel anything in their hips. I wanted them to be somewhat narrow so they yeah. still have more in the hips. Um, and I, I like that a lot from what I did with our kids too. See, that's something I've been trying to learn a little bit more about is the isometric stuff for exactly what you talked about was the tendon strength and just the, yep. the tissue resilient thing. Like we both powerlift, even from that standpoint, like maybe doing a little bit of that stuff long-term wise, like can be a huge benefit. Cause like you said, the best, uh, the best availability is being available, right? right, for, right. For, for your athletes. Like they got to be available to play. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that isometric work can be super beneficial for something like that. Yeah. And f- man, I, I got to give kudos to you to kind of like break the mold of like, Hey, we're going to try something different. And if it works, it works. If yeah. it doesn't, well, then I know that, it, you know, maybe we need yeah. to try something else kind of thing. I, I was, I know there's been a, quite a number of people who are really big into the uh, overcoming isometrics. Uh-huh. I did some of that too. Um, that's more for like maximal intent or maximal output stuff. Right. But in terms of like building resiliency and tissue tolerance, I think the yielding isometrics are one of the best things I did with our athletes right now. Um, I also took actually two things from Jake Tora. I don't know if he's still at Youngstown state, um, but I did hypertrophy clusters that the program that he put out. Okay. Um, I did this. I, Took what he did. I didn't do it to a T. I did some variation of it, um, and I also did his jumper knee protocol. Not that we had. I don't. We didn't have any athletes like diagnosed with jumper's knee, um, but I was like, well, if, we're, if it's going to help strengthen the knee in some capacity, everybody is always complaining about some stiffness in the knee. Everybody and their mother says they tell tendonitis. So, excuse me. If um, if this is going to help with that then yeah, I want to do that. Um, so I took a lot of the stuff from his uh, protocol, the jumper's knee, and for the isometric work too. So give him a little bit of shout out if you want to buy his program. I thought it was great. I think it was a great investment. I still go back to it quite a bit. Um, and this hypertrophy clusters is something that I did um, in the off season for specifically our men's lacrosse team I did it. And I did it for our men's basketball team. What I would change specifically for men's basketball was I would have started their hypertrophy clusters early. Because what I did was the first four weeks of when everyone returned to school, we did like a GPP phase. So I had, I think I had one barbell exercise and that was the RDL. It was the only barbell exercise I had for about the first three to four weeks. Um, but with basketball, they started practice. I believe their first day of practice went the second week of October. Mm-hmm. Um, so it only, only gave me about five weeks, six weeks. So if it's the first three weeks, they're not even touching a barbell yet. It's almost like how much are we actually going to 
how much great that we did the GBP work, but how much tissue tolerance and resiliency and strength did we put on for mm -hmm. practice and then going from practice brain to the games. So I would have probably started it right away and I would have gave the coach a heads up in the summer, previous summer, and be like, the packet is going to be as soon as there's some, I'm sorry, the summer packet I'm sending out, as soon as they get that, we're starting, we're hitting the ground running right when they come back. Like, I'm not holding right. up for anybody. And this is the reason why. Um, men's across, I think it worked really, really well for because I had so much time with them. Our men's across team lifted and trained with me um, four times a week. So oh. we could we could do so much with them. So we were week 12 for us. It was like this, the November 6th, I think. If I was checking, I checked my notes before this. It was like November 6th. So we had 12, we had 11 weeks up in training up until November already. Because the coach was like, oh, we want to start it right away. Um, what a dream. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. It was great. They actually, they were their best team in the weight room this year. Um, so I know, I can't remember off the top of my head, he had them do bench press. I want to say a pull-up was what Jake did with his hypertrophy cluster, cluster for the um, day one upper body. Then I think he did squat and some step-up variation. Then he had trap bar deadlift and something else. And then his upper body, I want to say it was a strict press or a push press. I did football bar bench press. And the reason I did the football bar bench press was because I believe the football bar bench press puts you in the perfect positioning to actually learn how to hundred percent hundred percent and it is super humbling if you don't have any lat or tricep strength so most of our kids don't really have the lat or tricep strength so we have guys put out 135 and they're shaking during their warm sets and like you might want to go down to 105 115 um but that's why i started with that so their first eight weeks were after we finished GPP was just football or bench press because I wanted them to actually learn how to bench press properly because I knew once we we're in season, we were primarily going to bench press in some variation for the straight bar. Um, so that's where that cycle went. So we went eight by five is what his hypertrophy clusters are. So you eight by five and you pair the two. And I think it's either 60 seconds rest or 90 seconds rest. I didn't time the rest intervals when they were doing the clusters because it's just go, go, go. You do right. a set, you do a set, the next guy goes. By the time you get down there or you do your next sets, probably about 60 to 75 seconds before you do your sets again. Um, I also didn't have the percentages that he recommends because we're so early in the semester and I wasn't testing anybody at that time. We tested right before Thanksgiving break. Um, so I taught him how to use RPEs. So we would gauge things off of RP of eight would be like, we're, we will always want to leave two in the tank. I really didn't want anybody to be failing, um, especially with our main compound lifts. If you want to fail their tricep extension, bicep curl, have at it. Um, but in terms of uh, chest press, squat, things like that, I didn't want any failure. Um, so we did about four weeks to eight by five. And the movements that I did were bench press pull up. It was squat and a leg curl. Oh, it was I a, love it. So we did a, one of the rollers. Yes. Sornex roller, the glute ham roller from Sornex. So we did that. Um, then the other one was dumbbell overhead press and a chest supported row. Beautiful. 
And then the last day was I had actually taught them conventional deadlift was the first one was eight by five. And okay. I did a conventional deadlift because I, A, I pull conventional. So I like it more. And Josh Bryan said something very interesting. I actually took a note on it. He said, more complex neurological lifts need more frequency. We're not going to be deadlifting multiple times a week. And he said the sumo deadlift is more neurologically um, demanding than the conventional deadlift. So if I want to teach kids how to do a lift quicker, I'm going to do the conventional deadlift. Yep. So that's what I did. And then after we did the conventional deadlift, then we went to the trap bar deadlift, which I think is even easier to do. So that was like, we built the base around that. And then when we did 10 by fours, which is what you do after your first four weeks to eight by five, um, I kept with the football bar, kept with pull-ups. I think we did not go a single week without doing pull-ups. Um, back squats stayed in there. I can't remember the leg curl variation I did. Um, then I went to push press, chest support rows again, um, stayed in there. And then it was trap bar deadlift by itself it was the 10 by four. Um, and because that was going to be our main movement in season. And those were the lifts that I ended up testing to have numbers on. I didn't test an overhead press or push press. I tested with those guys, uh, straight bar bench press. We did pull-ups. We wanted to get three pull-ups with a load. So how many, how much weight could you do for three pull-ups? And then, uh, back squat, work up to about an RP of eight again, because I don't want to see failure. And like we talked about earlier, if you're going to deadlift, you can't get it up. You're either not going to pull it up or you're just going to drop it. So right. I stuck with the trap bar deadlift because I thought that was going to be a safer option too. And you get more load out of it. If we get more load, I want that intensity in season as well. That's what, that was what Beautiful. I really liked with our off-season program in terms of our men's lacrosse team. So building up in the off-season, going into the in-season, what did the in-season look like? So there's something I actually do want to say. Okay. I want you to clip this because I want to post it so all my sport coaches see it. <laughs> <laughs> the number one thing that I think kept most of our team, the teams that were healthiest throughout their, their season, was the consistency. Yep. I think it was the consistency of practice times and scheduling. I think it was consistency of the weight room. Um, that was some of the biggest factors, I think, in what kept most of our teams, the healthier teams, healthy. Um, that was awesome to have was that men's across team that I'm talking about. They, we had one or two lifts that needed to be canceled because they had to leave early for a game without traveling, had to stay over. And I think there might've been a snowstorm. So it's completely stuff out of either one of our controls. Yeah. Um, but they ended up going three times a week and so we did three days a week. We did Monday. Thursday, Friday. So Monday was our strictly upper body day. Okay. That was our push press day. I had them do that. And then they would do a bunch of a builder and then an accessory from there. Thursday was strictly lower body. And that was our squat day, reverse lunge day. Um, and some sort of uh, knee flexion hamstring. So it was either a sore next leg curl, glute ham raise. Um, and then Friday was our more dynamic day where we box squatted 
uh, more explosive trap bar deadlift. And we actually did, we eventually went to a banded bench press. Um, for the, Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably wouldn't do it again. If I was going to do the banded bench press, I probably would have done it earlier looking back. Cause I don't, I think our guys weren't strong enough yet to really understand what the, the purpose of the banded bench press. I, again, you know, you're not strong enough. You need that, you need that basic strength. And I didn't have that yet. Um, so that's on me, but that's what we primarily did. Um, in season. And what I did as I took right from Matt Rhodes was I remember I was on a call with him lap two, two years ago during COVID. And what he did was he goes 70, 75%, 80%. He'll do D, and then he'll do a D load or after that, he'll then, he'll then go 75, 80, 85% kind of cycle through those percentages with different movements. And I was like, that's so simple, but it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So I did a lot of that. That's actually what I did for all of our teams in season where we would cycle through percentages in, uh, in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of the stuff I, how I figured out the reps or sets was right from uh, relevant chart. Yeah. To me, I think that what you just said is like, if you live in those percentage ranges, you run right. off Prolipin's charts, yep. man, you can see some massive gains. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the uh, the freshness too with the workouts and everything like that. And that's something I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. It's like, if you hang out in those percentages, the reps look so much cleaner. So you're like rep integrity right. is really good. Cause I mean, obviously we're putting out that set and rep range. We want it to look good. We don't want to get, let's say it's you know four by six. We want all 20, you know, 24 of those to be good reps. We don't want it to be 20 reps. Yep. You know what I mean? And if you're constantly hanging out at like the 90 percentage range all the time or 85, it's like, there's going to be some kind of form breakdown. Like we were just talking about the banded bench. I mean, yeah. you start adding a little bit too much. It's going to be a shit show. They know how to accelerate through. That was the biggest issue. That, yeah, some guys are strong enough yeah. to accelerate through other guys. Not so much. Yeah. So that one's on me. Um, there's something I wanted to try and, you know, it was, it was thankfully nothing. No one got hurt. There was anything bad that happened to it. I just probably wouldn't do it the time that I did it. Now I'd probably do it earlier or wouldn't have done it at all. Yeah. So That's as far as like the hypertrophy side of everything, yep. did you find that to be pretty beneficial? Did you like doing that? For the hypertrophy clusters? Yeah. Um, yes. I do believe that it did. I don't know if it was superior to terms of regular hypertrophy training for hypertrophy. Right. For hypertrophy. Right. For hypertrophy, yes. Um, but I def there was more, there's I believe going off of their numbers, they had better strength and power gains as well. Because our strength numbers mm-hmm. went up and our jump test went up too. Because I tested on the jump mat. Um, however, our guys didn't look that much bigger again it's not like we have excessive these guys don't have a lot of accessible in terms of um food right quality of food they're not going to be just getting you know going to nutritionist and getting the shake after it's like they're going to the dining hall they're gonna have cheerios right and we can educate them all we want they're gonna end up eating whatever they want to begin with exactly um, so that's a huge factor in it and the only reason I say I don't know how great it is for hypertrophy is because I did pretty 
standard hypertrophy work with our football guys. And by week 10, I mean, their traps were bigger, their upper backs were bigger, their necks were bigger. Everything that we want to see was, was bigger and they were stronger too. Right. So it's almost like, however, I will say, I do believe the hypertrophy clusters built great resiliency for our guys. Right. That's what I think was the biggest factors because it's, it is a good amount of volume and it's a good amount of volume in a short amount of time too. Yeah. More work capacity as well. So I would, I'm going to definitely do it again. I think there's going to be some tweaks that I want to do in terms of our builders and our accessory movements. Um, and I also want to do more sprinting with them too. So I almost want to see how can I change up this hypertrophy cluster to get all of that in at the same time or have enough time to do that. So it's going to be a fun little experiment to try in the fall, but I definitely think the hypertrophy clusters were huge in terms of building resiliency, tissue tolerance, work capacity, um, strength and power gains, and obviously hypertrophy too. And there's also could be that our lacrosse guys don't have the hypertrophy or the genetics for hypertrophy like our football guys did too. Yeah, that's so that could be a possibility of it as well. Yeah, that's a huge side of it. I was thinking about that when you first said it. It's like typically football players are just they just have that like bone structure and everything yeah. like that to where they just, you know, I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about an offensive lineman that started at the school at 240. Now he's 315. And if you look at the photos of him, it's like, holy smokes, man. You know, this is a power five school, obviously. So they have all the resources known to man, but it's like football players can just put on size. Yeah, man. It's, it's incredible what they can do. Yeah. They can really put on size, but um, yeah, I'm interested in that hypertrophy cluster. I'd be interested in seeing the sprinting side of it, like being able to tie those in together because right. that's where you could really find some bang for your buck on everything like that. Exactly. Cause if you can get bigger and faster, it's a win-win. Come on, man. So might, might as well get a, a huge award for that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it works. I'm going to be talking to somebody upstairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's something I want. I definitely want to do more of is the sprinting and, and the speed side of things. Yes. We did incorporate it. Um, but was also unfortunate was we would have sometimes like we'd have three different lifts for the team. So it's almost like, they don't overlap with our teams too. And it's myself and coach Garza. It's like, he had to deal with this team. I deal with this team was like, he was one team might've been mine. And then there was another team was mine. So or one team was his and I was taking it. So it was a lot of overlap too. Um, where in a perfect world, it would be, I think it could be done. Um, but we, we don't have a perfect world. So we have to make it work for our world. So that's something that I'm definitely going to be experimenting with coming in the fall in terms of our um, spring sports. I want to start sprinting by week three. We start speed work. Um, and I, for our summer packets, with all of our fall teams coming in, I actually took away, not took away, but um, there's a lot less lifts or strength work. And it's a lot more conditioning and speed work to see how that affects this year as well football guys are doing a lot of strength work i will say that our women's soccer and field hockey team is not doing as much strength work as i gave them last year i gave them more conditioning and more speed work to do this mm -hmm. year because i yeah. want to see how that 
um, is going to affect them this year. We have a lot of grad students and seniors who are leaving. So we're going to have a lot of kids yep. who or underclassmen who maybe didn't play that much who are going to be expected to play the volume that these other guys played, that these other uh, girls played. So if that's the case, I want to make sure that they can handle that volume in some shape or form. Um, so I, our tempo runs increased quite a bit. Um, and our speed work increased quite a bit as well. So that to me right there is like hitting the nail on the head is like, how do you find that perfect? I mean, there's no such thing as perfect, but that right amount right. That dosage right. of like work capacity and volume to where they're not super fried, but also too, that like you, you get the tissue to like exposed to like yeah. <laughs> that kind of work. Right. hundred percent. And we, all of our coaches, I'm sorry, go ahead. No. Well, Cause like I was again, listening to another podcast. They were talking about the baseball players from 2020 and then going into 2021. Right. So you had a shortened season mm-hmm. in 2020 right. and then all the stuff that was going on with the, uh, with the uh, lockout or something, right? Lockout yeah, lockout and stuff, right? Yeah. And then now you've got to go pitch. You know, spring training's closed down for a couple weeks. So you only get like a few weeks to get ready for the season. So, like, obviously these guys are training on their own, but yeah. you got to go out and pitch 200 plus innings. Yep. Yep. How do, you, how do you prepare yourself? That to me is like one of the best questions. Right. And what's unfortunate is you, strength coaches who are dealing with these teams can do all this stuff and then they're going to go to their boy because their boy got their CPT on Monday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I I did but I didn't send out because I just don't have enough connections was finding reputable private gyms in New yes. Jersey. Um, so obviously on there is Guadango's gym, Zach Evanesh, DeFranco, but like not everybody lives in that area too. So I'm trying to find reputable gyms in the state of New Jersey that are actually training athletes you the way you'd want them to be trained. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting a little, they're getting everything. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, standing on a BOSU ball or, you know, doing the weird landmine university stuff that he's got going on. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, I want, and I'm trying to put that list together to send out to the kids. It's like, Hey, if you can't make it to summer lifts, totally fine. I want you to go here and let me know what they say because I want to steal stuff from them too. Yep. So, um, so I, I think I said that last podcast too. I just haven't really looked too much elsewhere at, other than those three. Um, that's something that I'm definitely more interested to see is like, is this more conditioning and more speed work going to be yield more positive results um because all of our coaches have conditioning tests in the fall okay so you have a benchmark okay yeah every kid gets super nervous about the conditioning test they just end up running the conditioning test with their conditioning so that's been a whole education series on that too and like yes i want you to pass the conditioning test but at the end of the day your conditioning test isn't your sport either right so I'm like, if you do, if you do the conditioning that I'm giving you, you're going to pass. You may not feel super easy because you're not doing the, condi- the conditioning test 
because the, the, I'm sorry, the conditioning might not be built for the conditioning test. However, I want you to be really good at your sport. I want you to be achieved for your sport so that you pass the conditioning test. It's like, wow, we're all done day one. We can start practicing. Well, plus two, I think if you do the conditioning correct, like the way you're wanting to, right, to get them ready to prepare for the sport, the anxiety of the conditioning test shouldn't matter then. In a, theoretically, yes, but in a perfect world, most most kids are going to be nervous regardless of how prepared they are. Yeah. So we'll brings me back to my memories of it, man. It was the worst. I remember like thinking about it all summer. So, I mean, I understand like where the anxiety comes from. Right. You know, you're like, oh crap, I got to do that arrowhead test or whatever it is. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. That's all the summer one. you're thinking about. Exactly, and obviously we can't change that but we can help prepare them so when they do step on the line they're ready to go how much of it are you talking with like with like mental stuff with the athletes do i talk about stuff with the athletes yeah. <laughs> um yes and no i try to be as helpful as i can in terms of uh mental stability and mental health i mean you can ask some of the coaches that are downstairs with me. Like sometimes my office is like a therapist's office um, with the kids coming in and saying stuff to me. And I think it's just because I'm not their head coach. I'm not their mom and dad. I'm not their friend. It's a pretty unbiased opinion that you're going to get from me. 100%. Um, and it's this, I think they just want somebody to listen. And with all of the mental health issues that are going on with a lot of student athletes now, you know what, if I have to sit down with somebody for a half hour and talk to them, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Um, I don't believe I'm qualified to, you know, give mental health advice or, or anything like that. But if someone wants to talk to me about something, I'm more than happy to sit down and have a conversation with an athlete about whatever it is. Like I've had kids complain about parents. I've had kids complain about siblings, boyfriends, roommates. Um, so it's, I've had those conversations, but a lot of the stuff in terms of like the jitters and everything like that, what that kids get before their games. Yes. That conversation is pretty simple. And at least in my opinion, it's, um, we kind of just look back at like, well, you scored six goals yesterday and four assists. You put up 10 points in one game. Like we, we know, you know what you're capable of doing. So why are you overthinking and stuff like that? And again, just have fun. I think that's what a lot of the kids are afraid to do is just have fun nowadays. Because yep. um, that's why you're here. You're here to play the sport that you love. So exactly. why not love it? You know, no, none of us are going pro. You know what I mean? And even if you are going pro in some of these sports, how much money you can actually make is something to be living off of. Right. But um, I think that that's the biggest thing is just to realize that, like, have fun. Like you, you're going to perform your best and you're most optimal when you're not um, constricting yourself enough and you're not swallowed in fear is the biggest thing. Because we all know it. The more you think about something, it's a negative, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like we were talking about before with the deadlift pull, how mental it is. Yes. Right. So that's not, if that's going to affect, if you're setting up like nervous to pull it, well, then you're not going to pull it. <laughs> Exactly. You know I mean? Especially if it's what you've never touched before, if it's close to one or max, like if it's something like 315, yeah, we know we all can pull that. And when you feel that's why I feel so confident every time it gets. But if it's like getting higher and higher and closer and closer, it's that 97, 
percentile, then you're gonna be like, okay, because you don't touch that regularly. So it's like, that's where you get the nervousness from. But those, those conversations are more one-on-one -on, -one on the field very, very quick with the athletes. And that kind of kicks into it. They get that really quickly. I love that, dude. Give them that positive reinforcement. Yeah. Um, and you're highlighting what they've done. Right. So they could say, you know what? I can't do this. It's data. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's data. So we use data, obviously, to see our, our markers and the, the KPIs that we want with the kids. Like, that's your own data. Like, you've done that, not us. Your coach didn't right. do that. You did that. So be proud of what you're doing. Be proud of what you've done. And be able to step up and show all that. So I think that's kids get in their own way a lot of times. Plus, too, I love this idea. You said, like, have fun. Like, you've done powerlifting. I've done it. You wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Exactly. Exactly. Now, some sessions are not fun. Correct. Like your farmer's walks that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah. There's a love-hate relationship. It's great when you have the pump around your traps after. But actually doing it, it's not fun. But it's like, uh, you know, it's really cool to, like, be a part of the journey. Right. And then you do something and then the journey continues. Mm -hmm. Like if you, I don't know, what is that quote that guy says? Like the man that loves to walk, you know, whatever it is, right? The man who loves to walk will go farther than the man who loves the destination. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's right. So true though, man. Like, if you, like if you love your sport, you'll just continue to keep going. If you love to train, just train. Yep. And the results will come kind of thing. Exactly. Um, like we were talking about before in terms of, you know, different occupations in the strength conditioning field, right? It doesn't have to be just college training conditioning. It could be tactile. It could be any type of fitness. It could be you're at the private sector and you're the director of something. Like yep. there's different ways where you can get involved. It doesn't have to be just like six to six in the weight room with, you know, all your college teams. It could be a variety of different things. And that's something that I think has gotten more and more apparent over the past few years mm -hmm. of how we almost glorify college strength conditioning when the reality of it's really not that glorious. If the, the reality of it's really not that glorious. Um, you know, and I think a lot of us fall into that trap where we see, you know, the, you know, the power five school on the polo. We're like, we want to do that. We want to be that. It's almost like, after a while, I was like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be near that. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the job stability, the moving, you know, things like that. You don't, like, after the coach's contract gets fired, you might be fired. That's kind of silly to me. Now, if some people want to do that, more power to you. But in, me personally, I rather have stability. I'm still doing the same exact thing. I'm just not in, I'm just not in the spotlight, which I'm totally okay with. <laughs> Well, that to me, that's a tough one because like you said, yeah, it's great and all, but I mean, like, you know, being out of it now for over three years, I can tell you, I've never been happier, man. And it's because. But, and you're, to your point, what you're doing right now is you're staying in the field. Right. And you're right. still having an outreach. You're probably having more of an effect than I am. And I, uh, I, I no, I would, I would, like, I'm not talking to Sam Brown. I'm not talking to. You know, Brian Carroll, I'm not talking to these guys, you are. And people yeah. are coming to you for that information. Yes, I'm dealing with the 400 plus athletes I have. But at the end of the day, like, I get to come to you for information. 
Right. So it's silly to say that you're not having the impact, but yet you're still being able to provide for your family. You're happier, you're healthier, yeah. plus you're still involved in something that millions of people are passionate about and are going to come to you for information. So, yeah. I mean, more power to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I really do. But the chase and the logo thing, I think, has got to end. <laughs> it's got to end, man. It's silly. It's the worst thing ever. I remember when I did that internship at Kentucky. It was great. Power 5 school, football program, NFL players. Mm-hmm. Great and dandy. But it wasn't what I thought it would be. You know what I mean? No, it's not. You know, I can say the same thing in the position, the position I am, too. Like you, It's great being on the floor. You know, it's great being on the floor. It's great having the music blasting. It's great, you know, when things are going really well and, and the athletes are training really well. But it's almost when you have to do that min work, you have the meetings, when you have a kid crying in your office because something happened at home. Um, you know, if when you're dealing with injuries and all that stuff, then it's the reality sets in where it's like you get home at eight o'clock at night and it's like, I have to be up at four o'clock. And I have to, you have to get everything ready to go to bed by 8.30 so you get enough sleep to be ready for the next day. That to me is not sustainable long-term. No. And especially when coaches aren't getting paid either. That's a huge problem. Huge, huge, huge like problem. Like we talked about off camera and I'll say it on camera too. Like people not need to stop accepting jobs for 25K. Yep. You can't have a master's degree at Survivor of $25,000 a year. That's insane. No matter where you live, that's insane. It's unhealthy. Just for a logo, I, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. And I don't think it's going to, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change until more and more people start stepping away from that. And I had this conversation with um, someone today where it's like, it's going to take, you know, there's going to be, has to be like a huge drop off in either power five football where, and then they, the NCAA loses money or there's going to have to be a ton of like, catastrophic injuries for something to change, or there has to be a union or something like that. And without those things, I don't think anything's going to change. It's going to take something drastic for it to change. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, yes, that day could be coming though. Cause in my yeah. opinion, you're going to have those certain conferences, big 10 sec. They're going to break away and make their own thing. You think? There will be no longer more no power fives. So there's going to be like 45 schools that have a chance to play in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to have that huge drop off. Right. And then from there, I mean, the repercussions of that, that's going to change everything up. So then, I mean, they've been talking about that for years about the licensing thing and the yeah. unionizing thing, the licensing thing. I mean, we got to get licensed like ATCs. Yeah. How many people do you think are going to be able to pass that test? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. I know people that have taken the CSCS four or five times that are in Power 5 schools. They're not going to be able to pass a licensing program. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that because I've had conversations with people who were at Power, power 5 schools and were under Power 5 people. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, that's 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 not good either. You know, it can't be just like – the rah-rah stuff that you always see. And that's yeah. that's one of my pet peeves too, is like, yeah, cool. You want to work for a Big Ten school? Be my guest. But if you don't know anything, you know, then what does it matter? Yeah. It's, it's, it's silly. It's, it's really silly. And, I, and what's unfortunate is 
I'm just seeing more and more of it, more and more of it now. And it's kind of like eating away at me and the passion I have for what I'm doing too. Yeah. And it takes away from like what I want to give to the athletes too. So force them. Yeah. And those are the, and that's the people that are going to influence the next generation. Cause unfortunately, wow, that's, those, a really good point. that's the, that, that's the biggest voices that are going to be heard. Right. So, you know, we're both very fortunate when we first got in the industry, we, we had good mentors and we had good Absolutely. people around us that I think that's what helps people like you, you and I is that we can kind of sift through that BS yeah. and seeing like, what is like clicks and show <laughs> yep. and what is actual real stuff. Like you talked about Josh Bryant, like dude, Josh Bryant will put a clip out and for like 60 seconds and like, I am ready to run through a brick wall yeah, but I also, too, I also too think, I think about what he said, like he was talking about dynamic bench pressing or something like that the other day okay. with intent. And I'm like, how much intent am I been giving in my bench press? Are you talking and about maybe, the cat, the cat training? Something like talking, that. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is good shit. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But then I've got so-and-so saying like, it's gotta be all heart. All muscle, you know, all this crap, right? Just some raw, raw speech. Right. And their school just won two games. <laughs> yeah, that's the other unfortunate thing, too, is you you can hire these raw, raw guys. Like, what's going to happen when you things don't change? Or well, they keep getting them. injured. That too. Maybe, the, well, that, that, again, if that was the norm to begin with, then everything stays the same. Nothing changes, nothing changes. So I'm a huge college football fan. And okay. I told you, I told you about that earlier. Like yep. I listened to a multiple college football podcasts. Yep. Every once in a blue moon, they'll talk about strength coaches. You should hear the stuff they say about strength coaches. All they are looked at are get back guys. Yeah. Or rah, rah. Every year, every year since I've been in this profession, I have gone, you know, ESPN puts the highlight of yes. where college football starts of all the strength coaches and doing their song and dance on the sideline. Every year I get about three people to send that to me. I have no idea what I actually do. It's just like, I don't do that. No. <laughs> and we had um, a brand new, so our previous football coach got a new position. He got a new job and he left. And then so we had other candidates come on for a job interview. And I had to take them on a tour of campus because this allowed me to have one on one time with the coach. Oh, talk cool. about talk what they wanted, this, that, the other thing. And then we got the full feeling like this is our sideline. This is where you would be. This is your domain, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not the rah rah guy. So you're jumping it down, jumping down. <laughs> I was like, I want no attention whatsoever. This has nothing to do with me. I'm not going to be a get back coach. I will help you in terms of like if kids aren't listening or anything like that. I'll help get water with the ATs, things like that. Yeah. But like in terms of, you know, being the guy who's going to roll up his sleeves. No, I'm, if I'm cold, I'm cold. <laughs> I'm wearing my jacket. Um, that's, not, that, um, that's not me. It's not, it's not about me. It's about the kids. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not here to steal a show. Like, if that's going to bother you, I'm letting you know now it's not how I am. Like, I'm not. And even in the weight room, too. Like, I like to be loud. I like to have energy. But it's not going to be just pointless stuff to be pointless stuff. Exactly. There's an intent behind it. Right. And also, too, it's you being you. You're not going to be somebody else. I think that's maybe something, too, as well, that I think uh, I think if you talk to a few of these people, maybe they would be the same. I don't know. I don't think they'd be the exact same. Right. 
Because here's the thing, like you said, they can ride the coattails of somebody. Or not, you didn't say that, but, you know, they can ride the coattails and they can make a lot of money from somebody. 100%. You know what I mean? The money's there in Power 5 football. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's it's very much there. and But, like, again, that doesn't mean you know anything. It's you're chasing the logo to get the next job, the next job, the next job, the next job. Hmm. And like, we talk about off-camera. It's like, is that sustainable? Do you want, like, what about your family? What about your your girlfriend, your wife, your kids? You know, anything like that? Like, are you going to keep picking them up and moving all the time consistently? Excuse me. Again, if people want to do that, more power to you. Like, you can do whatever you want. But I don't think that, like, our field should have to be like that. And again, college athletics is like that in a lot of ways in terms of a lot of different sports. Oh, yeah. Um, but specifically, if we're just going to stay in our field, like, that's not especially – like, I, I wouldn't want to do that. And you and I both talked about before how many coaches that we know have, who have left college yep. and conditioning and have done – other things, yourself included, who are happier, who are better off financially, who are less stressed. You know what I mean? Who are sleeping better. Yeah, know, dude. Sleeping better, who are eating better, feel healthy. You can do the things that you want to do. You can um, train the way you want to train. We're not trying to cram in a lift because someone, because you have another team coming in. I think Todd Hammer said you could be a really good coach, a really good human. Or a really good lifter. You can't be all three at once. Get nope. Pick two. Nope. And I was like, damn, that's sad, but it's true. It's very true, man. It's so hard. Right. Even now having a family, like I gotta put training sometimes on the back end. Yeah. You know? It's like that's what's more that's what's more important at this time. You know, but it's college the strength conditioning world, in my opinion, is it has a couple different avenues it can go down. It can have conversations like this. Yep. We can have people get in the right positions that can help make those changes. Mm-hmm. But these people have to be able to have a voice. Yeah. So these are at the conferences. These are at the seminars. This is within the content that's being pushed out from the industry. If we continue to put out the other crap, that's what we're going to see. And that's where we're unfortunately, I think, heading. Because... We live in a very selfish world. A lot of people are very selfish. Yeah. Unfortunately. You said it perfectly when you were talking to that coach. It's for the athletes. It's not for me. Right. When I'm headbutting kids on the sidelines and I'm bleeding all over the place and ESPN's showing it, that's yeah. not for the kids. It's for views. And you. if you look at nowadays too, and I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but if you look at the kids and how they act nowadays, Mm-hmm. it's it's a representation of that yeah so we have that immaturity at our level which now invites it to happen at their level too yep. and it's starting younger and younger and younger like you see these kids and these with their instagram pictures and all this stuff and i'm like i'm, I'm like are we doing this for likes are we doing yeah. this for like the game or like and the way they talk to people it's just outright disrespectful. And like mm-hmm. people don't even know how to, have, they don't even know how to have a conversation. Yes. So I had, like a, I had an athlete email me, yo man. I'm like, what? Oh man. Yeah, like what? No. You know? And like, I, I know an athlete that emailed a female coach. was like, hey girl. It's like, 
what? <laughs> what are we doing? This isn't, yeah. you know, like, and we can always, and this is, this is going to be like, sound like the old man talking, but you can't say that to your boss. No. You know what I mean? But I honestly, but nowadays I kind of think you can because everyone gets away with everything. Yes. Yes. Everybody gets away with a little bit of something nowadays. Oh yeah. Some people Big time, man. Big time. Because unfortunately that's the way we're, we're kind of moving in that, in that direction where it's like, there's no respect anymore for anything. Nope. Unfortunately. I mean, there's I a lot of disrespect. Switch. Yeah. I want to switch to a little bit more of a positive note. Yes. Okay. We got to be positive. <laughs> um, did you listen to Matt Brown on Dave's podcast? Dude, that was so awesome. That was so cool. It was so cool. I've always been a Matt Brown fan, a huge fight fan of his. Okay. And I knew he was a West Side guy. Yeah, I knew he was a West Side guy. But like, his I forgot he cool. OD'd. Yeah. I forgot all that stuff. Yeah. Wild. What was the best part that you thought? Like, what what was like the? So I was the I um, was watching the clip where he was talking about what what he did at West Side. And um, how he was like, oh, I get trained here for free. This is great. And that's, that's all he thought about. Yeah. That was amazing. He has no idea what Westside is. He's like, yeah, I guess to train at this like old gym for free. It's great. No problems with that. But anyways, what I thought was so perfectly said, and I know people are going to, some people may disagree with what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for us as coaches to listen to what he said so we can even explain it to our sport coaches or other people or ATs or whatever the case may be, administration. administration. He said when he was getting ready for a fight, he could not spar or or anything like that at fight intensity because he yes. would get hurt. But he said I could push the intensity of the weight training to, to do the best I can to match that fight intensity safer than I could actually fighting. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. Like to me, I was like, I, I wrote it down. I was like, that's, I'm going to explain this to coaches, you know? Well, he talked about too, within that same realm, he was like, my technique did get better, but I wasn't, and it wasn't the push in the weights as well. So my work, like, I think he said, like his work capacity was down and he just wasn't as good of a fighter. Cause like you said, he wasn't able to push like he was when he was doing the weights. Yeah. That's when he said he left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also said that was the environment too. Yeah. The environment the too. Culture. So, I mean, like, if, when you're, yeah. When you're at the West side, the, the culture is going to be a hell of a lot different than anywhere else you're going to go. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I thought he, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was so cool when he was talking. What I thought was cool too, was when he, he and Tom kind of stepped away and kind of started doing their own thing too, as well. It's like, you know, this kind of isn't working and I say it's not working, but maybe let's try something else. Mm -hmm. And then something a little more optimal. Yeah. Something a little bit more optimal. Exactly. Exactly. And then too, how he said the circuit training, how he found a lot of success doing that. Yes. But he found doing that a little bit closer to the fight. What does that make me think of? Like sports-specific training, right? Get the GPP in the beginning, sports-specific towards the fight. And he said that he did, he's like 85% of the time was doing sled drags. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. That was between a sled dragon. I don't know why, because that was hysterical. Uh, dude, you ever, how, how much sled dragon do you get to do with Kurt? 
Um, I did a good amount right after my meet for at least six weeks. I was doing mm-hmm. at least two to three times a week out of the four training days. Um, right now, I'm not doing any. However, Kurt's coach is Josh Bryant. So I get all the trickle down stuff from Jailhouse Strong, which is pretty cool. I one block, everything uh, was tactical density training. Oh, God. So, like, I remember I was in five by five on safety bar squats, and it was like 100 seconds rest, and then it was 85 seconds rest, and it was 60 seconds rest. And I was like, Kurt, this is insane. You know, five by five on a back squat, like, um, that was a fun block, but I'm not gonna lie. Like my recovery was better. My recovery in between sets is so much better than it was before. Um, and like it's this is where the discipline factor needs to come in. Was like you could get away with not doing your rest intervals because of there's course no, there's no videos. You don't have to send that into your coach. You know so. There was definitely some days, you know, back in the day where I was like, yeah, two minutes, I'm going to go three. <laughs> then uh, after this, the meet I did, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm only hurting myself. Mm-hmm. And those first four weeks, I paid for it. But honestly, I wouldn't change a thing now. I'd follow the rest intervals. Sometimes it's like, damn, this is brutal. Um, other times it's like, okay, this is bearable. And there's other times like, it makes me realize how happy I am that I did it in the beginning because it's just, it's just the longevity factor. That really exactly. Exactly so, what you said, man. And even when like, he'll even write in my notes, he'll be like, um, like today, for example, I had safety bar spots, let's say as needed, but let's say last block it was three minutes. I won't go above three minutes rest. Right. Just because I don't I, – would I lose it in the next block? I don't know, but I'm not even going to run that risk. Exactly. That sense. So there's that aspect of it too. Um, if there's anything where he writes as needed, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it under whatever the previous rest intervals from the, the block before or the set – or the – I'm sorry, the week before. Um, and he had me doing deadlifts, uh, doubles, oh. 60 seconds rest. I Those are up. I I honestly like really like them because that's that's a big mental thing too. Yeah. Um, because again, like we talked about before, you you got to pull it up. You know, that's the deadlift before. Like the squat, you kind of get away with a little bit more because you can kind of like let it rest in your shoulders. You can take your time before your next rep. Yeah. You can do the same thing with the deadlift too, but it's it's just different. Pull if you're hanging out there on the bottom too long, it's over. Yeah. Yep. It's over. Yeah, I agree. It's over. You made a good point though, as far as the discipline side of it. I think Wendler has that quote where he's like, you know, if it's two fifteen on the, if my sheets calls for two fifteen, and I put two twenty five on the bar, am I really being disciplined in my program? Right. And it's yeah. like, Kurt loves work, to do that to me too. You know what I mean? It's like if that's the weight, that's the that's the freaking weight we're gonna do. Yeah, I have um for my so my bench day is on Thursday, and I have. My, one of my back down sets, it's at 205 is 200. <laughs> I was like, it's just so much easier to throw on 205 yep. if I don't have to do 200. Yep, you're I, will, do I, there's, I will say this, though. 
when if whenever it gets like four ninety five, I will always always throw cookie out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not stopping at four ninety five. Like yeah, I can't. If it, if it says anything that's about to round up to to get the double zeros and whatever number, I'm gonna go with that. That's yes. It. It's more more just for an ego. I'm not gonna sit here and deny that. And I know it's not discipline, but you have to have fun. Right. Like if I'm. I just can't be like, oh, I only pulled five ninety-five. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, pull six. Yeah, exactly. You want to pull six, so that's that's just the dumb meathead in me. But yeah, I I, I agree with when they're hundred percent, and I even yell at my athletes for that too. Yeah, like you know, the sheet says seventy percent. We're staying at seventy percent. How many so, times do you have to say, "Look at your sheet"? Too many. <laughs> coach how many how many sets we doing it says it on the sheet it says it on the sheet, it says it on the sheet. <laughs> um that's part of it what um there's, there's some teams where i was like kind of let it slide and yeah. there's some things i'm like oh my god so how was working with casey and kurt how has that made you a better coach so it made me a better coach because so I originally started with Casey and then Casey brought Kurt on to help. So they have two coaches looking on and Casey got a new job where he's doing something with football and strength and conditioning plus his own business. Um, Casey, if you're going to listen to this, get back on Instagram because you've been MIA for quite some time. You missed your content. We were talking about it before off camera and I'm calling you out now. Get back on Instagram, put up the content. I think the last thing you had there was like a leg press from a year ago. It's not doing it, man. We need you on there. I know you got a lot going on with your business, but anyways, we want to see your, we want to see you back on Instagram. Okay, now it's over. So um, Casey was awesome to work with, and so was Kurt because the both of them will not stroke your ego whatsoever. Right. If something was bad, they're gonna tell you it's bad. If something was good, they'll tell you it's good. If if something was just what it was, that's what it was. Like there's been a couple times where I thought it's something really, really well. And I'm like, I can't wait to see what they're going to say. And they won't say anything about it. And I was like, all right, never mind that. <laughs> um, but in terms of making me a better coach, it helped me relate a little bit more, a lot more to the athletes. Right. Um, because I had to get my nutrition in, I had to get my water and I had to make sure that I made time to get my training in, you know, I'm paying for a service with them. So I didn't want to let them down either. Just like right. I don't want my athletes to let me down. So that was a huge part of it too. But it also kind of made me um, take less crap from the kids as well. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of both where I was like, I'm understanding of certain situations. But other situations, I know it's just like, well, I've been able to do it and the rest of our team was able to do it in certain situations like that. We were still able to make it work. hundred percent. Um, programming in terms of keeping things super simple and simplistic and to the point was huge as well because you don't need a whole lot to do a lot of great things. Um, And just, and just like you, you'll have a, like, let's say something as simple as like a chain fly. Kurt will have me do, right? For example, I have to do three seconds on the way down, a two second hold. And it's just like, okay, 
you like, I didn't even think about doing that with my guys. And when, when people might hear a, a dumbbell fly or something like that, they might think, oh, that's not, you know, strength conditioning, that's bodybuilding, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, like if we can get a deep pec stretch, hold that, you're going to increase tissue tolerance. Now the pec's going to be able to handle more volume long-term too. So Boom. that also helped me to kind of like kick certain things out of my mind where it's like an exercise is just an exercise. Mm-hmm. My, my old mentors at NGIT told me that same thing. Like exercise is just an exercise. You know, there is no, there's no end all be all. Um, That's great advice. Yeah. And then um, just working with Kurt, he's still competing under Josh Bryant. So I get, I'll get some trickle down stuff of what Josh Bryant is doing to him too, which is really cool to see. Um, Cause then it's like, damn, like this guy's brilliant. Like Josh Bryant's the man, yeah. Kurt's the man and they're strong as hell. Um, and Kurt's feedback is pretty straightforward too. You know, he's, he's going to tell me exactly what he wants to see. He's going to say exactly what he uh, wants to see for the next week. Like for my speed deadlifts that are coming up, on my next deadlift day, he literally wrote pull harder <laughs> like, <laughs> on the sheet. Like he's not like it's, it's very straightforward. Like he's, yeah. he's like, I need more out of this, or or he'll put that in the notes that like things he wants to improve on. So it's almost like yes, it's remote and me working with the kids in person. However, it comes to res- like I will pull hard because I respect the hell out of Kurt and I respect the hell out of Casey and I want that same thing with my athletes too. So I want to train myself or obviously work under the two of them. So I'm relatable and the kids see that I'm doing the work as well too. And it's not just something that I'm doing willy nilly. It's like, yes, yeah, someone is coaching me too. Cause I have my tripod like all taped together. Cause I broke it like three times and like the kids will see that. And they're like, Gallagher, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's for my coach. You know what I mean? So then they yeah. have a conversation about that. And it's like, oh, you have a coach. What are you doing? So we connect on that front as well. Um, again, just makes it more relatable to them. They see that I'm doing it too. Like the kids will like joke around. Like if I'm like walking through hall, like, oh, it's the strongest guy on campus, like stuff like that, you know, just to bust my chops. Man. I'm the truth. Like, but at the end of the day, they're saying that because they know I put in the work. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like we'll have we have some super strong football guys. Don't get me wrong, they're stronger than me, but they're saying that because they know I'm putting in the work and they see that I'm putting in the work. So I think that's been one of the biggest things is from a respect point of view, is the athletes know that I'm I'm doing what I can to be the best that I can be as well in under the bar. So I I had a BJ Whitehead on the podcast. Okay. Um, are you familiar with him? The name sounds really familiar. So he works with Josh Bryant too. Okay. Um, he actually has some videos on YouTube with him and Josh working together. Um, okay. Super strong powerlifter. Um, he's down in Texas, but he's also a high school strength and conditioning coach. Oh, wow. Yeah. And some of the stuff he said was just brutal. I mean, just brutal. What that Josh has him do? What Josh has him do. Yeah. yeah. Sam, Sam, he worked with Josh too. Okay. And he said it was brutal. He just had him on his podcast today. So. Oh, really? I'm interested to see how that goes. Yeah, just because they have that client, like you said, like client-coach relationship. Okay. So I'm interested to see what they talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's awesome to listen to. Yeah. I, he's you so know, awesome to listen to. And the thing is, he's like, 
you respect him more because he's just a dude. You know what exactly. I mean? He doesn't try to be anything more than what he, he's a, like, let's be honest, he's a big figure in this field. Yeah. But like, it's, he doesn't come off that way. He doesn't like try to be more than what he is. And he just, he just seems like a guy that like, I would want to get, I want to get a beer with that guy. I want exactly. to train with him. Well, I say I want to train with him until he actually puts me through a lift. But, um, you know, he, he just seems like such a genuine person too. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't try to sugarcoat anything. He keeps it straight to the point. I have like seven of his books in my office. Um, I actually did one of those back down variations with football this year. Oh, really? Yeah. The past four weeks I did, uh, some of his back downs. Now I couldn't do like the 20 rep variation. They have. <laughs> I just couldn't do that right now. So I did, I think the most I did was 17 reps. So I did Damn. three, I did one, two weeks, I did two reps, two weeks, I did three reps. And then I did six reps and seven reps. Then I did 12 to 15 rep range. Mm-hmm. And then the last week it was 17. Our, I, just, they, our guys couldn't do what he has in his right. program. But again, it comes down to like, this is something you can modify and, and take what you really want from certain programs. And yes, like I do the tactical neck stuff, the tactical shield training with at least most of our, actually all of our male sports. And I have them do with any sport that has a rate of concussion in our female sports. Now the female sports are a little bit harder to buy in with the neck work because mm-hmm. um, they think it, it's, it's silly. Right. And they just feel weird doing it. Yeah. They, don't want, they don't want to have a big bulky neck. Um, but I still throw it in there. And I do it high volume because I know that if we do 25 reps, 15 of them are actually going to be okay. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I take that from him too. Um, tactical density training. I've done with some of my one-on-one clients that are completely unrelated to FTU as well. Um, that was and like, I actually even have that for our postseason phase or the start of postseason for our sprint teams with our men's across our baseball. Mm-hmm. I actually have them doing tactical um, density training the first four weeks. No, nothing with a bar, nothing with a barbell, but like everything is is on is a time. Everything's time. We're doing like 10 sets of 10. Shit. We're shorting, we're shorting the rest intervals each week. Yeah. Damn, that is intense. Yeah, it's another Kirk Miller special. God dang, that's brutal, but I love yeah. it. Yeah, we're gonna wind down here pretty soon, but we got a we got a uh, we got a debate you and I over sugar free soda. What are you talking about? You came at me saying pretty much my list was trash. Did I say trash? Pretty close. I mean, you said it without saying it. Well, what, you had Pepsi Zero number one. Pepsi Zero number one, Coke Zero was, number two, Mountain Dew Zero three, four was Dr. Pepper Zero, five was Sprite, Sprite Zero. Sprite Zero. So I like to say that's decaffeinated because, like we talked about before, yes. like after a certain time of day, I can't have caffeine. I have my one cup of co- coffee in the morning and that's it. It's Beautiful. Um, that's it. As it should time. be. Yep. Um, so I go everything caffeine free. I love Diet Coke. I like uh, either diet co- uh, diet Sprite or Zero Sprite. Totally on board with that. Totally on board with the diet Dr Pepper or the diet 
the, I'm sorry, the Dr. Pepper Zero. The Mountain Dews have threw me off. I'm not gonna lie to you. You definitely don't come off as a Mountain Dew guy. It's, well, cause I was going off taste. Do I have it all the time? No. Okay. Have I had it? Yes. So the Pepsi Zero you can have all the time is what you're saying. Yeah, like I could drink that every day. 24-7, every day. Nice. Okay. What I do drink every day is we go back to the caffeinated thing. It's Sprite Zero. It's zero caffeinated and it's a soda. So, I, so Sprite Zero is decaffeinated? Yeah. Yeah. I have to cop that next time I go to Wegmans. Yeah. Wegmans that one, <laughs> that one, I'd probably say I drink that number one most often but like if we're going pure taste dude i could drink pepsi zero it's like they're going out of style <laughs> yeah i um i'm not gonna lie like i have nothing against pepsi but over time coke just tasted better to me and i'll even say that same thing dude i think coke from like a like a fountain so much better like a oh. big cup of ice. Oh man, that's so much better than anything else. In my Dude, unbelievably good. Same thing with Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper, I completely agree with too. I Dr. Think Dr. Pepper, Pepper is I think Dr. Pepper should be higher up. Just saying. Yeah. Um, that's just my opinion though. Okay, then we're gonna go into burgers now. Okay. I don't think you responded to the burgers. What was your I saw that top five burgers? Oh, uh, uh, what, what I'll give you my list. Five? I'll give you my list first. Okay. Okay. Mine was In and Out number one. Okay. Two was Whataburger. Okay. Uh, three was Five Guys. I'm very basic, as you can tell. I love uh, Five Guys. Four was Wendy's. Yep. No, four was Hardee's. Five was Hardee's. Wendy's. Yeah. Five Hardee's was. is Carl's Jr. So that's what we call it here. Okay. Um. So my my like fast food that I can go to once a week have no issues with it if, if like being in shape wasn't a goal it would be wendy's it'd be wendy's 100 percent. i would go to wendy's once a week no issues i would get a dave's triple let's go the six piece nuggets let's go sometimes they even throw in seven and then a the large fry chocolate or vanilla frost depending on the, on the mood oh my god i would go to wendy's wendy's is my favorite like fast true fast food burger if that makes sense wendy's so like fries food. are very underrated very good i completely agree now if we're talking about like yes i think smash burger and five guys also fast food but i think if you have a drive-through that's like the that's a pinnacle fast food it's like the gross of the gross so yeah. i would go wendy's i would let me say that i go five guys would be my number one five guys would be number one i've only had in and out once to be fair, I've only had it one time. Okay. I had three of them, and they were delicious. Um, I had one with the animal sauce, one without, and then one, or two without. I think it's great. I, to be honest with you, I can't disagree or agree because I need to have it more. Right. Yeah. Really get the understandable. So we'll go. I'll. I won't comment on that. Um, I would go Wendy's number two in terms of burger. I would go Smash Burger. Very good. Three. Um, I'm trying to think what else is around here. I don't think Shake Shack is that good. I think it's a little overrated. I think it's very overrated. I think it's extremely overrated, and I think uh, um, I think that it's it's just it's the name of the place that draws people in. 
Notice we neither neither of us have said Burger King. Yeah, no. Why? Because it's like the worst fast. I, I'm sorry, Burger King. You'll never sponsor this podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna sponsor the strength podcast. Yeah, exactly. You guys are just in it, in it. You don't have it. It's not there. Yeah, the chicken fries though, second to none, because there isn't anybody else who makes chicken fries. No. However, yeah. I completely agree. I I wouldn't get a Whopper. I don't think I've gotten a Burger King since I was in like high school, at least 10 years. I last time I got one was in 2019. My wife, we were in Kentucky. She flew back to our uh, home to like hang out with family. And I was stuck in Kentucky by myself, making no money and depressed. And I remember I just like the closest place to get dinner was like Burger King. And I just like sat in my car in a Walmart parking lot and I didn't even eat the meal. I quit my job like two weeks later. Oh I was my just gosh. so depressed with strength and conditioning. So not to get depressing again. I mean, bringing Burger King is depressing in and of itself. Yes. I'm thinking, awful. I'm thinking of like other places that are Culver's good. is a big one. A lot Where? Of like Culver's. I don't think we have that here. Mm, it's, a, it's like a Midwest thing. Like, uh, I don't think McDonald's is that good. But you'll still, I mean, oh God. I, I would have Burger. McDonald's over Burger King though. Sonic? Dude, no, I'm not such a Sonic. Dairy Queen? I haven't. I've only had ice cream from Dairy Queen. I don't know, man. I don't know any other fast food chains other than that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm, somebody's screaming right now. Like, their Probably. favorite restaurant is screaming <sighs> at us right now. Yeah, there will be somebody. <laughs> I've never had Carlos Jr. Hardy's in the night. I want to. Um, I haven't had it since I was, like, a kid. And I put it in my top five, so that just damn. Yeah, well, not kid, Jack, but like high school. So Jack in the Box, like right oh, I forgot about Jack in the Box. That but might be the best late night food. We don't have that here, Jack in the Box. Really? At least not that I'm familiar with. Right, right. Um, I'm trying to think what's like around me because I have a whole strip. Like, I want to say something that's an unpopular opinion. I think Chick Fil A is overrated. Wow, that is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. I'm clipping yeah. that. Yeah, clip that. Throw that on. I'm sorry. It's a seven is, out of ten. It's nothing. Popeye's better than? In terms, of, oh yeah, I yeah. think so. If you, if yeah. you like, I'm sorry. If you want to have grilled chicken, don't go yeah. to. You can make things. You're not. Oh, gonna, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not going to spend. Why spend seventeen dollars on grilled chicken when you can go to Wegmans? You can get a bunch of chicken um, thighs. Soak them in their marinade, and you can grill it up yourself. Put in a smoker. So I just, I just, I exactly had that same conversation with somebody because every time I got to go to Chick Fil A, because I'm fat, I have to get two because their sandwiches are so tiny. I have to get two sandwiches to get full, and I spend out the butt for it. Right. And when I could have gone to my local supermarket store, gotten it, and smoked it on my Traeger. And had a delicious dinner. Yep. Exactly. But instead, my dumb self went to Chick-fil-A. And the waffle fries aren't even that filling either. And they come with like there's there's one size and it's smaller than my phone. It's six. There's like six of them in there. Right. And they're Excellent. soggy. See, now you're now you're coming across to my side where Chick-fil-A is a little bit overrated. Oh, I agree. I'm I'm it's, on that side. Okay, it's a seven out of ten at best. At best. At best. It's a seven out of ten. And like I get I'm like, curse, I get crap from people all the time. About this stuff, about Chick Fil A, and my unpopular opinion with them. When I said, "Sorry, I think you're you're, you're falling into the trap." 
What's your go-to restaurant then? Like, what's the go-to place? Oh, Chipotle. What's the order? Uh, so it depends. So if I'm like, like right now, I want to put on some more weight. Okay. Because I'm still under, like, if I'm going to compete at 220, I want to be above 220. I'm right. 219. I had the stomach flu last week. Brutal. Like, I lost six pounds in a day. Anyways. No way. Yeah, just, just out both ends, it was terrible. Um, so the Chipotle order, like today I had Chipotle. I go burrito, white rice. I go scoop of chicken, so full scoop of chicken, full scoop of steak. I do really like the pollo asado. The only problem with that is it's super oily and it deteriorates the entire burrito. That's food science, baby. So Exactly. And like so much when I even get in a bowl, it seeps through the bottom of the bowl. That's how oily it is. Yep. Yep. So I was like, it tastes so good. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want to clean my whole kitchen floor <laughs> um, <laughs> with um, chicken oil. Um, so anyways, I go scuba chicken, scuba steak, all three sauces. Um, depending on what I'm feeling, I'll either go a little bit of sour cream, a little bit of cheese, and then always with lettuce to top it off. Beautiful. No guac? Depends on the mood. Okay. Typically, like, I, I keep my fats a little bit lower because I do better on higher carbohydrates yep, than higher fats. Um, so if, like, if I haven't eaten a fat for the day, then I'll have at it. But, like, I just did, like, the, the Chipotle calculator because I got chips today, too. And I had 56 grams of fat in my last meal. So when I had the chips with it. So I was like, all right, no guac. No guac. No <laughs> yeah, guac. No guac. It's balance, baby. Balance. Exactly. And, you know, maybe one day, I'll, maybe I'll do no sour cream, a little bit of guac, something like that. You yeah. Know what I mean? I'll swap it out. It's really like, oh, and depending on how the peppers are cooked, I'll add the fajita peppers. In. That's a great ad and a very underrated ad. If they're like the brown scum at the bottom, no, no. we're skipping them. But if, they if they're the fresh, fresh, green, uh, pet red, and and purple onion, I'm in. Get some extra fiber in there, dude. Oh yep. man, it just adds so much more flavor. No, I love those. Yeah, and the, oh, those are perfect. If they're made just right, they are like that little thing that could put your like burrito or bowl over the top. Especially if they're warm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you it's get in there at the right time at Chipotle and you get that perfect burrito, you're walking like. Yeah. You're feeling good. I found for myself, at least the one that bought, that's by my place, the best time to go is not peak hours. Like, let's say peak hours are four to six, go at three. Yes. You know, or if it's like 11 to one, go anywhere from two to three, or we're going to go like nine o'clock at night. So if any Chipotle executives are listening to this podcast, please <laughs> um, sponsor both Rory and myself. Right. Um, sponsor all the streamers. They're playing video games all day. Let's get Chipotle into the transitioning field, all right? I have a $30 gift card that I got last year for my birthday. I have not used yet. I just realized that I got to use. So now I know what I'm going to use them for dinner this weekend for my cheat meal. Um, I, have a, I had a training partner. Every single night for dinner, he had Chipotle. Yeah. Every single night. Became such a regular that he got his Chipotle for like five bucks because they would give him some like special discount. Yeah, I know a guy like that too. Went to high school with him. He's a couple years older than me, but there was like, he went there every day, and they just sometimes they're just compass meal. Yeah, yeah you're good. What a guy! What a guy! A couple of guys, man. All right, hey, last question. We'll get you out of here, Rory. After all the food talk, we talked all kinds of stuff here, man. Obviously, the last question. What are you grateful for? 
Uh, I'm grateful for you, man. I'm grateful to be on here right now. I'm glad that we kind of like talked, you know. Um, I'm glad that we reconnected. I think we we've been going back and forth for a couple months now, just in terms of general stuff. Um, I'm grateful for you know my family, my job. I'm grateful for my girlfriend. I am grateful for everything that I got going on in my life. Grateful for Kurt, and Casey, um, all my mentors. Um, yeah, I'm just happy to. I'm definitely grateful for the summer. I'm definitely happy with the way the summer's going. <laughs> I can't wait that. I'm happy that you know it's been a little bit of a break. So I'm, I'm just grateful that I could do that. I could lift as a hobby. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's what's awesome to me. For sure, man. Any big plans for the summertime at all? Just like small little like weekend getaways. Yes. Stuff like that. Smart. Um, but nothing, nothing really big right now. What's what's the summers up there like in Jersey? Right now it's actually been kind of a it hasn't been super hot. We had like yeah. one one or two days where it was like 90 degrees, but like most of the days were like 75, 82. It seems to be the norm, which typically around this time it's like typically gonna be 85 plus. Right, it exactly. Hasn't really gotten there too much. So beautiful, man. It gets a little bit warmer because I want to go swim in my parents' pool. Um, they got a heater, but still, it just feels better to jump in the pool when it's ninety degrees than it is yes. seventy-seven. You know what I mean? It hits different, man. Regardless of it's heated or not. It's like what we said with that Coke with the fountain drink, man. To some about ninety yeah, degrees, exactly. it just hits different. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rory, I appreciate you as always, brother. Appreciate um, you, man. We'll have you on a third time, fourth time, whatever it is, man. But everybody, make sure you go follow this awesome coach, man, and stay strong.